to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss entertainment news and review mu- movies, trailers, and TV shows. In today's episode, we will be looking at the season finale of the Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, titled In the Name of Honor. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and publisher of Clearinghouse 2017 runner-up, Ivan. I dream of getting one of those giant checks. How amazing would it be to, like, get one of those? a week for the rest of your life and you can pass it on to someone else oh that'd be great why do we have that much money available but we can't just like come up with like a universal income you know what um the government says no comment but this isn't even the government this is just a company what is the publishing publisher's clearinghouse you know i was very close to actually working for the publisher's clearinghouse and then, that would have been like, a great salary, I bet. This is it, it was it was actually pretty bad. <laughs> no, I mean like uh, it was it was uh, comparable to what I was earning before. But anyway, it, it was it was they were on my short list of uh, potential next jobs in this last round of uh, of search. So what 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 work do they even do though? Like it's just collecting names and then picking a random one once a year. So. From my understanding, they actually have a whole bunch of like mobile games that they bought, like mobile game companies and all that. So they're yeah. in the business of selling people's information essentially now, is, is what I gather. All right. Um, but it is a question, though, as to like how they get that money. I don't know. That's a total mystery to me. <laughs> but man, I want a piece of that. I've never actually entered for that contest, but I think I'm going to start. I've done something well i kind of like kind of like mimic my dad in this sense where like a couple like at least twice a month i'll buy lottery tickets and i just kind of take my you know take my spin at that my dad has this luck of every time he buys scratchers he'll get enough to get more scratchers that's so he'll how they always play win. the game Ivan. yeah he'll there's always no win actual win. money transferring <laughs> well that's the thing and that's what i've told him before but like he, he'll repeatedly keep doing it but the funny thing is that when i try to do when I go the scratcher route, I never get anything. Like I never win anything. It's all just yeah. like money down the drain for me. But he tends to have at least a little bit of luck there. Well, you gotta buy. The trick is you gotta buy like four in a row so that you're getting this like improved odds on getting a winner. You can't yes. go there and get one. Yeah, true, true, true. You gotta sink more money in, and I'm telling you. <laughs> See, like, I need, I need to, I need to apply my uh, Fortnite level of V bucks spending to my real <laughs> finances. Your real life, I wouldn't call that an investing strategy, by the way. No. <laughs> hey, those skins are NFTs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk news real quick before we get into the uh, the Boba finale. What yeah, do you got? I got two sets. I guess kind of technically like three, but I'll condense it here. Um, some Star Wars news to kind of start up our Star Wars themed episode here. Uh, so we finally have a release date for Kenobi, uh, debuting on Disney Plus on May 25th. Well, Missing out there. that May 4th release date, though. People were kind of looking at that as the potential uh, release, but it seems like a missed opportunity, don't you think? No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Bad Batch come out on May 4th? It did last year. I feel like it's always pretty cool to like tie who, in. Who cares? Just use May 4th <laughs> to watch some of their originals. All right. I just thought it'd be neat for them to have it there. <laughs> yeah, neat. Sure. I would rather them just be like, it's going to be three weeks after that. 
but we're going to drop the whole series on you. True, true. They're not going to, but it would be nice. Yeah, and I think this is set to be um, six episodes, I believe. Um, so it definitely will be. I, I'm I'm excited. I feel like for this show more than any of the other stuff that's coming down the pipeline this year. But it, you know, it's just it's it's a long time coming. The other bit of news I had also Star Wars, uh, Andor that r- wrapped up season one, and I think it's well on the way to to debuting. I I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to debut in the summer. Uh, but it's already been greenlit for a season two, uh, which is pretty interesting because they said that that's one of the more expensive shows that they're doing uh, for the Star Wars uh, series on Disney Plus. And to mm. already have a season two before even premiere season one, it's kind of bold. <laughs> Let's see if it pays off. I hope so. Did you hear that they're not actually using? So they're actually shooting on location for Andor. They're not doing a lot. Of go- they went to Andor. Yeah, they went directly to Andor. <laughs> <laughs> they went over to Jeddah City. Um, no, but they shot in Tunisia. I believe they were um, on set. I forget wh- where the shooting location was for Yavin, but they're they're definitely taking a different approach. So did you say Yavin? Yeah, isn't that what it's called? Yavin. 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 Navin. Gavin. <laughs> We we be gabbing on this podcast. We we do be gabbing. Um, and then lastly, Bad Batch season two, uh, coming out late March, early April. Uh, definitely a spring release, but I'm I'm assuming this is going to debut similar to the way that they're doing. They've been doing some of the Marvel stuff, where as soon as it's done, uh, you'll get the next Star Wars project lined up. So chances are, this will finish by the time that uh, Kenobi comes out in late May. We just live in that vortex of never-ending content. I love it, but I'm also, I mean, like, I, uh, I drowning I, honestly, from it. <laughs> honestly, I feel like you know what? I can't complain too much because at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm like choosing to, <laughs> to go down this path. You know what I mean? Are you? I feel like I have to go down this path. Listen, listen. I can turn. I, I'm not addicted to Star Wars. I can stop whenever I want to. <laughs> Or not. I don't, I don't really yeah. know. <laughs> don't put me to the test and I just take my word for it, okay? Um, only other news that came out this week was Oscar nominations. Did you get time to look at those? I did see um, a number of them. I, I did see some snubs, too. Like I feel like um, there was a lot of fanfare, I guess, around putting um, No Way Home up for for best picture although to be to be honest i feel like if it if a comic book movie had um any chance of getting nominated for the oscars it would have been this year because i feel like the outside of like big popcorn flicks there wasn't too much as there normally is uh for, on the oscar category yeah i'm noticing a lot of repeats i don't know if no way home would have been worthy of a best picture i feel like it would have been assumed that it would have lost uh, right. But the one I saw was it, a lot of people were saying like Eternal should have been for visual effects, which is like, number one, who really cares about that category? And number two, you already have two Marvel movies in there. Yeah, plus I feel like it definitely was beautiful, but I don't think it broke any like mold in terms of like, you know, what's come before it. Yeah. Um. The Did you manage to take a look at the... the um 
best picture contenders though like who do you think is going to win out of that list oh i haven't seen everything i mean i did just watch don't look up after our um year review podcast i saw it too what did you think i really liked it i was laughing out loud at parts um i don't know if that'll stand up against other movies though yeah, it was, it was a fun watch. Um, I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about Licorice Pizza. I didn't watch it, though. So I saw Licorice Pizza, what was it, like maybe three weeks ago or so? Um, I thought it was okay, but it kind of, it's one of those movies that feels like it was built for the Oscars. Mm, okay. And uh, I don't know, like it, it I, I liked it, but I don't think it's, like in a typical year, I guess, I, I wouldn't count this as like an Oscar contender, to be honest. This is this is a pretty crowded category too, which is kind of hard to guess. Um, yeah. If if I had to guess, it'd probably be Belfast. I, I, only from like your review and some other people that I trust, I've I've heard reviews from. Um, but like I feel like I'd be really really surprised if Dune or King Richard took it. Yeah, I feel like Dune is probably not going to be. Was it was it nominated for Best Picture? Because I I know yeah, um... the list I'm looking at. Interesting. Okay. ABCs.com. I feel so. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 probably going to go between two movies, and one of them I haven't seen, uh, so I can't really like speak to it. But I haven't seen The Power of the Dog. Yeah, that's up for a lot of things. Yeah, which is, if I don't know how it floated under my radar, but I I wasn't even aware of of its existence <laughs> to be honest with you. Is that one um, on Amazon? What is that? I think it is on Amazon. I feel like I saw the. Uh... The thumbnail for it. It's uh, it's on my list though to 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 track down this week and 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 watch it. But on Netflix, for me, there were two movies that I was buying for to to earn. Um, but that was you know I was hoping would would either not only get nominated but maybe even win. And that was um, obviously Belfast, as you mentioned, but also the, the Joaquin Phoenix movie, um, Come On, Come On. I thought those two were the strongest films. Um, from from my point of view, I guess this year, uh, and oddly enough, they were both shot in black and white. So, I guess to kind of have a little bit of a connection there. Yeah, come on, come on! It's not even on this anywhere. No, it's not. Or anything. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest, because like Joaquin. I'm Phoenix not. You have terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> but my my coda made the list. I saw that. Yeah, I. I don't I think wonder it's gonna win, that. but. Well, who knows? I mean, like, I, I feel like this year is an interesting year to watch the Oscars, right? Because I feel like, and and I, I could be wrong about this, but I know that they've been having a hard time finding, like, a host. So uh, they had mentioned something. I don't know where I read this, but supposedly, like, they're having trouble, A, finding a host, but also they don't think the audience is there to really care about the Oscars as much this year as they did in previous years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but supposedly they're they're like um, there's rumors that they're actually trying to get the three Spider-Man actors, so Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, to host this year to kind of bring in the audience, uh, which is an interesting pick, I guess. I, I feel like it'd be entertaining, sure, but I don't know. Like if you're if you're gonna invite them on, like No Way Home should have been in at least one of these categories, you know? Right. I feel like I could see Tom Holland doing it because he's still like early stages of a career trying to make a name and get visibility. I don't see Garfield doing it. I don't see McGuire doing it either. Or McGuire, yeah. Yeah. 
We'll see. Tom Holland is everywhere right now, with uh, especially with Uncharted premiering this weekend. So, yeah. Who knows? All right, that's enough news. We don't know what we're talking about with the Oscars, so let's move on. <laughs> I love the Oscars. <laughs> I love Oscar Martinez. Oscar the Grouch is great, too. Yeah, a lot of good Oscars out there. Yeah, some really good ones. All right, let's talk Boba. Season right. finale. Could it be a serious finale? I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. So we're recording the day of the actual um, premiere for the finale. But, um, you know, what do you think the chances are for season two? Because I feel like typically it would it would have been today, right? That they would have typically would announce it or you would expect, I guess. Yeah, I think they they would uh, tie the two together uh, just to build up extra hype. But I don't know. I don't think this is getting as much of a reaction as like Mandalorian is or, or did. Um, but who knows? I could easily see this being a character you revisit where it's like you, just how you gave Mando an episode in this season. I could see, not that Boba would get a whole episode, but maybe a where is he now, what is he up to, and then reintroduce him into the the pairing. But I don't know. I could go either way with a, with another series. I enjoyed this a lot, but I also am not like, oh, man, what, what happens next? Yeah, inadvertently, it kind of seems like they, um, and you know, we'll get into the, big details here with uh, in a bit but i feel like the way that this uh episode ended it kind of wraps everything up as nicely as it can so it feels like there's really not much uh more threat to kind of follow up on but there are some things they can kind of pivot back to but you're right i feel like they can probably contain uh this as like the b story for season three of mandalorian if anything yeah so why don't you give me uh your spoiler general thoughts spoiler filled yes sir right away sure. um so i can't believe they finally they finally did it you know like after a long long time and a lot of build-up we finally got what we've been waiting for all these years um mephisto finally shows up and so i was really glad to see that not Boy, the right franchise you won't let it go folks it'll happen one day okay <laughs> you just won't let it go no i'm <laughs> That was actually a full year ago. That yes. bit's over. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be, you'll see when you least expect it. No, I, th- I thought this was a good ending to uh, what amounted, I think, to me, a, a good series. Um, I have some nitpicks, but I feel like I overall enjoyed this episode. I wish it kind of tied things up a little bit more uh, nicely, but I do think that the way that this ends leaves us you know, ready for Mandalorian Season 3, um, and it also kind of highlights something that I feel like um, I've kind of been thinking about for a while. And it's been like, how how are they going to tie all of these planned Disney shows into like one continuous stream? And so we kind of saw that in the back half of the season. Um, and based off of that, I'm, I'm kind of I'm looking forward to everything that's coming up. Um, and, you know, whether or not this gets a season two, I feel like it was pretty good. Uh, particularly those last two episodes I thought were the standouts for me. Uh, but the way that this concluded, it had enough action. The pacing was was pretty good. Um, and I'll get to my nitpicks in the spoiler section. But yeah, overall, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good finale. Yeah, I agree. I think each episode sort of started ramping up um, in intensity and in quality. 
starting with the Mandal Mandalorian solo episode. Uh, which is sad to say that like the first few were pretty slow, but this was the one that we were looking for, right? With plenty of action, the plot made sense, um, kind of predictable, but they threw you like a couple curveballs here and there, uh, which was fun to watch. But this one just being all about the action, just being about like plot payoff, character uh, payoff here as well, uh, with with a couple surprises. So I agree. I think. This one, the way that they ended it, made this a good series. I don't think this is necessarily a great series because it was pretty slow to start off with. But, I mean, if you're generally just you know vaguely a Star Wars fan, this one is nice because it gives you that nostalgia for uh, the original Boba Fett, but then also throws you in these, like, um, you know, characters from Clone Wars, plot lines from the prequel trilogy, uh, and all that together. I think one of the things that I kind of took away from having now two shows in this uh, timeline, I guess, of, of Star Wars is the fact that this has felt the most Star Wars to me in a, in a while. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is like, um, you know, my, my one of my key like gripes about the universe built out for the sequels is that it felt like it was a love letter to the original trilogy, but kind of like completely dismissive of the prequels and this is like star wars content that embraces almost everything so it's got a little bit to you know of segue into the multiple audiences that it can uh, dig into um and i hope that that's you know between mandalorian and boba it's kind of set the template up for for future stories the only thing is i'll say like i don't know if it's just because like timeline wise it wouldn't make sense but there's no hinting at like in this show, there's no hinting at like the impacts of getting away from the Empire, other than seeing a few helmet like stormtrooper helmets on spikes, or there's no hint at like how the First Order could have come up. Uh, and maybe we're just like at the wrong point in the timeline, but I would expect to see a little bit of either. I think we'll probably get to that with Mandalorian. Because um, we did see him, like you had that whole cloning um, reference. Well, not no, like, yeah, I'm not talking about Mandalorian. Show. I'm talking about Boba only. Because oh. Mandalorian did do a good job with that. Like with their, they show us like the schooling system and and talking about like right. the history class and yeah, the the cloning aspect as well. But this one just felt like I don't know. It felt more like just secluded to what the history of Tatooine is and what the future of Tatooine was. Or would That's be. true. Yeah, the, the only thing that kind of separated from that was those two episodes that we got where Mando got a little bit of the on the hot seat there. Um, that said, I think it does have one big sequel connection to the show, and that's the whole like Luke Skywalker's Jedi Temple thing, which they right. apparently have come out and confirmed that is the exact temple that you see in flames in those sequel flashbacks. So uh, they um, have some connection there, you know. Yeah. All right, so why don't we move into um, scenes, character, and plot discussion. All right, so this one starts off um, setting the table for what this whole episode's going to be. It's the preparing for the war on both sides, so Boa Fett and his team are holding up in the ruins at the sanctuary bar that was blown up at the last episode, and Cad Bane is meeting with the Pike's uh, leadership 
and the mayor. Yes. And I think this is the first time we see the mayor deliberately with the pikes, right? In the same scene. Yeah, he's supposed to be off world is what uh, Boba Fett's understanding was. So, I mean, this just is like this is the too predictable side of it, along with uh, what happens in a few scenes where it's like, obviously, anybody who ever who gave you their word lied to you. Like anybody like them telling you, oh, the mayor's off town or, oh, yeah, we'll stay out of the conflict. Like, of course, it was all lies. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like that hard to predict. I think that's that's one of my gripes about not just this episode, but I think the series in general is like I feel like there's certain decisions that were made that were kind of like at the expense of Boba, <laughs> um, which I feel like kind of comes into question his tactical knowledge uh, of certain things. So w- this episode starts off in the ruins of the Sanctuary Bar and Boba's initial idea of like, you know what, we'll get ready for a siege at Jabba's Palace was probably the best thing they could have done because at least in my mind and this is where this is where i feel like the 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 vespa characters kind of annoy me (laughs) um because they uh i think was it the the i don't know if she's the leader of the group or not but i'm just gonna call her the leader of the of, of the motorcycle gang there yeah um she comes up with the whole like oh you can't abandon the people like We'll stay here, and this will be our for, our fortified position. Um, no, <laughs> the Jabba's palace is fortified for this, you know. Like, and also, I'm pretty sure the Pikes aren't there to kill the people; they're there to take out Boba and his and his squad. Well, so, tell that to the Tuscans. I mean, they they were tied directly into Boba, so technically, in there, it's still the same, you know, thing. <laughs> not quite but i get what you're saying how tactically boba's not making good decisions which is yeah definitely one of my nitpicks and i didn't mean to say like oh it's so predictable that they were going to turn on him from our point of view i mean like for boba fett you need to be able to identify like stop banking on them not betraying you like you didn't have a written treaty you don't like you don't know these people they clearly don't care about you they just care about their profits and and their territory so it's like play the game expecting people to do the worst and that it would be the boba fett i would expect to see yeah because he's worked with these people <laughs> you know like he's worked in the underbelly of, of like the the crime world in star wars so i feel like it's like it's a, it was a little odd to me for sure to be like i, I thought he knew that they were going to betray him deliberately because it, you could kind of tell right off the bat what after that uh, dinner scene in a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And uh, then I, I want to get your take on this too. Cause um, one thing that I feel like was the benefit of the sample size in this episode was did Cad Bane seem right on? Cause I know at the end of the last episode we were praising like, yeah, the voice sounds really good. He looks great, but that was like one quick one line right or like two lines this one i got i kept being like there's something a little bit off on him you're talking about like the voice or or the performance and like general kind of both i mean the voice sounds pretty good but more of like how he carried himself and definitely like his decision making was off but I, i just mean like the look of him too well, I didn't really see the look being off. Um, obviously, like, compared to the animation, I feel like they, they definitely did 
there was some like rough translation there from animated to, to live action. Uh, but I think part of that problem too is like that the the Duros, the the species of alien that he is, has already shown up in live action. So you kind of have to follow a certain um, format there. Mm-hmm. But um, where I do think, you know, and okay, okay I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit on this, but I feel like it's relevant in this conversation here. But uh, I feel like Boba versus Cad, to me, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it definitely, and they pointed it out themselves, is a fight between two old men. <laughs> but and, and it felt that way. You know, yeah, like, and you, you know what else it felt like? It just felt wrong. Because Cad Bane, if you're going off like who he is in Clone Wars series, he's this tactical genius who's able to actually win fights against Jedis. Why would he stick in this fight if he knows the Pikes are not winning it? Boba's team has rallied. There's, I'm not going to get paid extra at the end of this day. Why am I staying on this planet? It felt to me almost like they were hinting that this was personal, but then they didn't really follow up with that at all. Right, right. Like they they mentioned that they knew each other. They mentioned that they they've gotten in each other's way before, and that Boba was a kid when they knew each other. Um, but no flashbacks, no explanation of that. No, and th- that th- it definitely could have used that, and I feel like that that also speaks to. Um, and again, th- I don't want to deviate from the conversation too much, but I feel like. This, um, while I like this battle and the, and the way that this uh, episode played out, it also kind of revealed this episode's w- biggest weakness uh, to me. And that's that this, for the first time, I felt like this battle in this Star Wars series on this platform of Disney Plus <laughs> finally felt smaller than I feel like it should have been. Um, like you could kind of tell where the budget was spent on things and why you couldn't have too many more characters on screen for things. And I don't know, again, I don't know if that's a budget constraint issue or if that was like, because remember this was shot in the midst of COVID, right? So there had to be also limitations on the number of things that you could probably get done. Sure. Uh, but I do feel like it felt small scale compared to the the, the high stakes that we were supposed to feel. Um, that being said, I feel like it went as good as it can, but they definitely like this is the first time that I kind of called the budget into question a bit. And I was like, geez, I wonder if this fight is going this way because of some of these constraints. Well, I think we're also spoiled with the idea of the Mandalorian series where he's on a different planet every episode. So you get That's a true. totally different set. Uh, and then some of those had really extreme uh, foes that he had to fight. And then some had like really intense sequences and then some he was just, you know, escorting a frog from one place to another. Did you feel like um, there should have been more casualties in this? Because I feel like the scene with the betrayals, um, I was not expecting our Gamorian bros to go down. <laughs> Both of them got <laughs> I know, yeeted I off the cliff. I was so gutted, dude. He got two Gamorians and they both die. Um, I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay with them dying. I would have liked to see them survive. <laughs> but you got to get rid of some people that you semi-care about. I think the one that surprised me, like the tech team crew, whatever, they lost all like all of their reinforcements that they just added. It's like clearly you just added people here to be killed. But the one to me that was surprising was Chrysanthemum surviving. Like how strong is his plot armor? Very. <laughs> <laughs> 
he was it wasn't like oh we cut away before we got to see if he made it out like we cut away after he had like 10 guys piled on top of him that being said though that didn't so here's where i kind of question everything right like everybody else was ambushed with blasters and Chrysanthemum, all of these Trandoshans, being like half his size, decide decide that they're going to whack him to death, right? With sticks or whatever they could find, or like knives, or I I couldn't can, I even tell. But I don't remember seeing a blaster in any of their hands. And I'm like, no. And then this... they took his blaster and threw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most ineffective assassination attempt I've ever <laughs> seen. Uh, but that the, the minute that they started piling on top of him, I was like, "No, nah, he's fine. He can he can take them because they're clearly not being smart about this." <laughs> but yeah, maybe. But to me, this was also like again, tactically, it doesn't make sense if you have just a handful of people. Why spread yourself so thin? It's not like you can say, "Oh yeah, we're doing recon, so each person will alert the other." It's like, didn't you expect that maybe the it, there's going to be a coordinated attack at all. Also, where are Boba's other bounty hunter friends? Like, where's Dengar? Where's um, where's Forlom? Where's Zuckus? Where's IG88? Where's Bosk? Where's all the people on the bridge? Basically, <laughs> he had the credits to pay them. Okay, he could have called them back in. <laughs> I don't you know. Just pull, you just... just pull a far from home and just say off world. <laughs> don't invoke their name <laughs> and Captain Marvel's off world she can't help Boba in this situation either no, yeah this was yeah. supposed to be the Pat and Oswald we should have had the the guardians of the galaxy come through we really I, I feel like it, there's, a, there's a lot of decisions but again it, it comes down I feel like part of it would be budget right because when Boba there's a part of this fight um, and I guess we could kind of just talk about it in broad strokes here because I feel like it's it's a fight throughout the entire episode yeah uh but they um there's a part where they're fighting the droidica looking droids with the shields which by the way that was really cool (laughs) that was the coolest thing of this episode yeah um also the pikes really have the like the worst foot soldiers besides the stormtroopers because they can't hit anything either besides the armor plates in (laughs) in oh my gosh like i i said to myself doesn't anyone hit their legs like the like, uncovered part of a Mandalorian. Yeah, it's so like, all right, I'm gonna hit the shiniest part. It's clearly there for me to hit. <laughs> like, no, but um, when Boba flew away, um, I was expecting him to come back with uh with the Slave One, the his his ship. Oh, that would make sense, right? Like, I thought that would have been, like, come on. <laughs> I didn't really think about what Boba was doing. I was just like enjoying the moment. But when that rancor comes out, man, I, I actually cheered for that one. Yeah, me too. That was that was a really good moment. Like I wasn't expecting that. Like I totally forgot that that was even part of a plot in this show. Which actually, I guess, you know, I've been bashing it like being single track focus. But if you take a whole episode or like two episodes and don't even come back to that plot, I don't remember it. Because I have short-term memory, and this <laughs> happens week over week. So that was like three weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, I totally forgot that that was even a plot, that that Rancorn would have been growing up. Um, but him riding the back of it, I mean, come on. 
That was so great. And that's like something out of like the Legends comics that they used to do uh, a couple years ago. Or Wasn't that the like... Christmas special too? Him on that mm. like dinosaur or whatever it was? Not yeah, the Christmas he... special, the cartoon one. Yeah, yeah, the holiday special from like the 70s. Um, yeah, he, he wrote some sort of dragon in that uh, animated segment that he was in. Yeah, that was such a good look. I'm also kind of like um, really glad that we got to see uh, Mando and Boba team up and actually use their jetpacks simultaneously. Yeah, and for more than just like a quick burst too, like they actually hovered in place and used like how Mandalorians should be using it. Um, but that that was a great scene to see as well, like the the team effort and also just like it, you can see this bond forming between you know like this episode, uh, Mando's commitment to to Boba, but also like. You know, they're just paying each other back and getting in each other's favor. Um, so that gives me hope that, like, we can see Boba again and it'll be natural. Like, they each feel like they owe each other something. They're true homies now. Like, Mando did this job for free and he was willing to die, too. Like, that was that, that was also an interesting dialogue back and forth between them where Boba kind of expected Mando to cut and run because he's like, all right, well, here's where you get to leave, too. Um, and he stays. And that was a turning point too. Like that's when the that's when Boba stops getting counsel from everyone and starts like, this is what I think we should do, so we're gonna do it. And it works out. Yeah. Which I, I'm I'm glad of that because I feel like for, for the most part, um, and not to bash the character, but I feel like Fennec has been the one to make a lot of the decisions. And I think it, you know, it highlights her character's efficiency um all the more, but you know, you don't really get that many moments with Boba throughout the show. Uh, and here, I feel like is his most like competent <laughs> that, that we've seen him uh, strategy wise. Right. He does seem kind of like a pushover with uh, with planning. Yeah. Which Fennec, by the way, I guess we should probably talk about her a little bit because she she disappears for a good portion of this episode. Yeah, she does. She I mean, she does the quick rescue of the teens. And uh, and then disappears for a while up until like basically the last scene of the of the episode. I was expecting her to save the uh, the main Pike leader for Boba, but she 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 takes them all out Batman style essentially. Yeah, I mean she's not afraid to get her hands dirty, and I, I think it's what you kind of have to do. Like if you like the whole point of this show or of like how to be a leader on Tatooine was like, you have to rule with authority. And he was like, no, I want to rule with respect. And it's like, well, see what happens when that, when you try and do that, like you have to be intimidating. It's a longer road to get respect, I think. Right. Cause like, that's ultimately what this kind of showed too. Um, well, yeah, it's just like a lot of people did show him respect back and he didn't have to pick a fight with them. Like every townsperson, the sanctuary bar uh, owner, she like just paid him respect back and they were fine. But people who don't, who refuse to pay him respect, like this is the precedent that he sets. Like if you're going to try and go to war with me, you're going to lose. So that's why this episode was so good. It was like, it wasn't Mando who won this fight. It wasn't the people of Freetown who show up late. It was Boba on the Rancor who takes out, you know, all of the forces, basically. And Cad Bane, an and elderly Cad. Cad Bane. Yeah, he's an elderly Boba, too. 
Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I did like the little um the the bit there where they 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 did they did fight. I feel like the fight was you know I, I you know I criticized it earlier by saying that it kind of felt like two old men fighting. Uh, but I do, I do mean that in the most positive way because I feel like it, these are two aging men fighting each other. Of course, you're not going to see like the Clone Wars animated version of of this, you know, go like high octane, high high fuel kind of thing. Um, I do like the fact that he finishes him off with the gaffy stick too. Yeah, I, I like that as well. But to me, it's just like I get why Boba's in that, staying in that fight. But I don't understand why Cad Bane would stay. There's no you're on the losing side and like his everything else for his character in all canon is like he's smart. He knows how to live to fight another day. He, like in half the uh, Clone Wars animated series episodes he's in, whenever he's losing, he dips out. It does feel like we're missing a chunk of this story here, too, because like we're missing the motivation for him working with the Pikes, and we're also missing like what he was getting out of it. Well, the motivation was like pay, but like once you realize that team is losing, you're not getting paid. I feel like there should have been one more episode in this season, and it should have been right before this one, where it's a history of Cad Bane and Boba Fett. Like, yeah. hype up that fight, because this 1v1 feels... I know who these two are, but... I don't even like even I don't know why they're you know bickering or why they have like a history. Yeah, or at least kind of show some of that in those back to tank uh, flashbacks that they had because right. you know looking back on the two, I'm like the shot they repeated a couple shots of the of Slave One leaving Camino and a young Boba, which they clearly like recast hit that role, so they could have done something with that actor in the flashback with Cat. Yeah, and also, um, I mean, you were telling the story last episode about the dent in Boba's helmet being from Cad Bane. Yeah. That they were so close to being like, to saying like, uh, like, remember when I did that to you? Like, I thought that was going to be the next line that he was going to deliver, but uh, just no payoff there. It would have been great if they had like like that same scene, but cutting back and forth between the past and the present, like bringing a live action version of that unfinished animated scene and then bringing us back to the present to just kind of see that parallel. There. That would have been a nice little touch. But right. yeah, it just yeah, you're right. Like, I, I love that they brought Cad Bane into live action. I like that he's there, but it just kind of it, it did kind of feel out of out of place a little bit here because. You know, it would have been one thing if he survived at the end of this, because then we know there's going to be some sort of story between them two uh, continuing in the future. But it almost seems like I'm pretty sure Cad Bean is dead at this point, right? Like, <laughs> got stabbed in the chest. It's hard to recover on that one. The only thing that kind of has me thinking he might be alive, though, is the fact that the the camera just kind of zooms in a little bit and that little flashing light thing on his chest keeps beeping. So I'm like, is that like, are, are we supposed to take away that his heart's still beating or something? Like, yeah, you mentioned that. I I guess I missed that part, a detail. So I don't really know what you're talking about there. We'll see how it goes. Though. I don't know. Like, I, it is an aging Cad Bane, so you can't really expect that much out of him at this point either. But it's it's just interesting when it's like you introduce a character that everyone who's seen them in canon loves them, and then almost immediately kill them. R.I.P. Cat Bane, assuming he's actually gone. Yeah, I'll give him his flowers if he is. 
<laughs> I'll take it back if not. Let's talk about that reunion we got in this episode, too. Yeah, so the last character that we, we've been dancing around, Grogu's back, and he's wearing the chainmail. So is he out of Luke's Academy now? Can we take that as a definitive, or is this a, a temporary thing? Well, yeah, here's the thing that I don't understand. So, like, there's no way... Like, they don't communicate. They don't use words. So there's no way for Mando to know that Grogu had an ultimatum to choose. So, like, yes, Grogu's been kicked out of the Academy because he's chosen to have, like, a personal attachment to another person. And... Like, that's not the Jedi way, and Luke will refuse to train that. But there's no way Mando knows that, so, like, is that where they're going to go? Or are they going to—is he, like, going to bring them back to the school? Well, it's assumed that Peli does speak droid, I guess, or something, because she does seem to understand R2's beeps and boops. And she was the one that brought Grogu in, so I would assume that R2 would have communicated something to her. And so maybe— No way. R- R2's not that much of a gossip. <laughs> I don't know, man. He knows a that's that is true actually. He knows a lot that he doesn't say. Yeah. He could have very easily just told Luke everything he needed to know. I'm pretty sure wait, was R2 there at the birth of Luke and Leia? He was, right? Yeah. Oh my god, he was. Isn't R2 like the only character to be in R2 and C3PO are the only ones to be in every single Star Wars movie? Yeah, but C-3PO has the excuse that he got his mind wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Man, I wish I could have. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no prequel hate here, okay? <laughs> We've been over this. No, not prequel. Sequel. <laughs> <laughs> no sequel hate either. No. Oh, well, we I can't promise that. Sequels. We should talk about <laughs> sequels. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I feel like... Um, I, I don't know, like... Some sort of message would have gotten relayed to him, I feel like. Just because, like I said, Peli seems to understand what R2 is saying. So. All right, so maybe there that was communicated. It's not like it's the biggest thing. I'm sure it'll get addressed in Season 3 of Mandalorian. But uh, were you surprised that Grogu chose the chainmail? Not particularly, no. Yeah, because I don't think many. I was either. I feel like if he would have stayed... The question would have always been there of like, well, was he at Luke's Academy the night Kylo went with Berserk and 1v1'd everybody? <laughs> but I think like, we can still, you know, raise that question because if you have that agenda to make that your question, you can always do it. Like, you can always be like, Manda's gonna, Manda learned that uh, Grogu made this choice and then he's gonna be like, can't let you ruin your future for me and then drops him back off. And white fangs him. Like, you could always be like, yeah, he's going to end up back there. It's not until they, like, definitively say he wasn't there. (laughs) I have a really big, like, ambitious kind of theory on what happens to Grogu and Ahsoka. And I feel like they're tied together. Um, I I have a theory of where all of this might be going. But I feel like that might be... And that's my own way of kind of, like, figuring out what these characters are going to do in the future because i feel like they're too popular uh, for them to to basically adhere to too much of what the sequels laid out already and they have to kind of forge their own path for those two characters in particular you're right they are too popular to not continue to use and they also have this parallel of a storyline where it's like 
they've kind of denied the Jedi order and way of learning and showing like you can be force sensitive, but you don't have to study in the arts. You can, and you can still be like on the light side. You don't have to automatically fall to darkness. Right. And th- and I feel like Ahsoka will end up being the teacher to Grogu um, in some way. I, I, I don't think that that se- segment of his life is necessarily, you know, put to bed per se. Uh, but I, I do think that they made, you know, Grogu made the decision, or more, I guess, more eloquently put, Disney made this decision because we got to sell more merchandise of baby Grogu. And so he can't, he can't be off of the Mandalorian series. Yeah, you you got to like, get that attachable chain mail. <laughs> we got to sell more keychains, more Beskar keychains at the Disney stores. <laughs> um, but, and Grogu plushies, of course. But um, they, they've gotten really good at, the puppeteering and the CGI that they're um, implementing for Grogu. Cause I feel like, you know, it, it definitely moves like a puppet, right? The, the Grogu puppet, mm-hmm. I guess, or doll, whatever the, you want to call it. The clumsiness of a puppet. Yeah. But there's also, there's some, like there's an aspect of like, there's like a charming aspect to it because like when you look at the original trilogy and then look at the prequel trilogy, when it comes to Yoda, I feel like I like CGI Yoda, but you know, obviously you have more liberty to do more things, but there's something about original trilogy Yoda that kind of makes him seem a little bit more real. Yeah, just out in that swamp, eating that soup. Yes. Harassing R2 for that little uh, stick of, <laughs> of food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, no, I, I totally agree. I think they, they have done a really good job of um, of puppeteering with him. Because you're right, like when you get the prequel uh, CGI Yoda, he's like doing triple backflips fighting Count Dooku, which just looks wrong. But when you and the, you can kind of see hints of that, right? When like Grogu does this force jump into Mando's arms, it's like that doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, but you almost kind of buy it because it looks, you know, a little bit more practical. Like even as silly as it does, it's like if you do picture this little thing in in real life, of course it's gonna look silly. It's gonna look weird, you know, and I feel like CGI makes it look a little too, like if everything were to flow a little bit more naturally. And there's a layer of it that I feel like um, it adds some authenticity when you have those constraints put on it too. Sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of Grogu, though, that scene with him calming the Rancor, that was really cool. Yeah, that that gives you hope that like, I f- I feel like we have to see more progression with him gives you hope that like he's going to be learning how to control the force like continue learning it like how, he had a few lessons he kind of unlocked some memories because that that's the area i would want to explore more is like how did he get out of the jedi temple on order 66 and uh how did he um like what what's he gonna do like learning to is he gonna make a lightsaber is he gonna learn how to just use the force I think there's some like area of mysticism for of the forest, right, that we haven't gotten too much of, whether it's in the films or in the shows. And I feel like Ahsoka and Grogu are almost like the perfect conduits to which to explore that through. Um, but yeah, like I feel like this is the the scene, especially, and we were just talking about puppeteering. But like, if you notice the rancor, 
uh, in his rampage and all that moves. Obviously, he's mostly CG, right? But he has elements of like almost looking like a like a stop motion kind of figure in his movement sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to see these two interact because it's kind of like this David and Goliath situation they're going on uh, with the framing of the shots too. Um, yeah, but it was really it was really cool. It was really neat. But you're right. I, I do feel like it, it seems like a very giant feat for Grogu to achieve. So obviously he has like Yoda like level potential, uh, which will be cool to see. But I, it leaves me also wondering like how we're going to see that progression. Well, I, I would love to get like more memory unlocking done because of that one line that uh, Luke says a couple episodes ago. That it seems like I'm he's remembering more than I'm teaching. So I would love to be like, well, who was working with him? Like, I, yes, I want to learn who, like, how did he escape? Who helped him? But I also want to see, like, maybe this is a chance to get some flashbacks of, like, interactions with Obi-Wan or, or like, Kit Fistu or, like, somebody, right? Yeah, and there's a line in Clone Wars, I think, where Obi-Wan mentions that Yoda trains all the Padawans at some point right. their younglings. I would love to have a flashback where you do see that Grogu did know who Yoda was at one point. That would be so cool, yeah. I'd love to see both of them. And they both got to be puppets, all right? Look, <laughs> for anybody listening. <laughs> and everybody's a puppet. We're going to do a puppet episode. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be sweet. An entire puppet <laughs> episode of Manto. I'm just a big fan of puppets, if you can't already tell. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think the last thing in this episode was um there was there was actually a couple things. One more thing before the after credits. Uh what what are your thoughts about, you know, after they win, they're walking the streets, all victorious, the townspeople are saluting. Boba Fett, and then he says to Fennec, I don't know if this is really a, the life for us. Like, what did you just go through? <laughs> what was the point of all this? <laughs> if you're saying, like, I don't know if I actually want to be doing this. Boba's the the kid that asks his mom for boxing gloves because he wants to take boxing lessons and then quits two weeks into, <laughs> into getting that trip paid. <laughs> analogy. <laughs> I would have gone with like any musical instrument, like a guitar, or, like that probably would have been the better approach. But I went with what I went gloves. with. Mom, I really want the boxing gloves. All right, fine. I don't want to get punched though. <laughs> Two weeks later, I'm sorry, Mom. I actually want to play the clarinet. That's my calling. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a little weird though, because uh, obviously this whole this whole series has been about him like wanting to put down the you know the metaphorical i guess life right down like he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter anymore um and i do feel like he makes a good leader when he's like you know more melding the two teachings his tuscan teachings and the stuff that he's learned obviously through being a bounty hunter uh so (laughs) that line did strike me as very odd uh but it also kind of like what is he going to do in the the future because we're obviously not done with him like we'll revisit him in the future at some point yeah, uh, he has such a good he, uh, potential for being a good leader. Like, he's very diplomatic. He's willing to negotiate. He's accepting of, like, all these different groups into his, into his uh, his ranks. He has a lot of respect for, like, bounty hunters and, you know, paying them well and giving them jobs that he would be willing to do himself. Um, 
but it's so random for him to say that. And then the only way I could connect it or like make make a prediction is tying it with the after credit scene, um, where maybe he, you know, convinces someone else to do all the policing, and he just kind of like sits back. Like you're thinking, Cobb Vanth is the key to leadership in Tatooine. Yeah, I think you know Cobb. So the the after credit scene being Cobb Vanth in a back to tank, and the doctor who saved Fennec is there. So the assumption is like they're going to bring him back to life. As well, my God. guess would be like, do you put him in the armor? Because that other line that Cad Bane had said, like you should have never taken the armor away from him. Do you like, do you dress him up like Boba Fett and have him walk the streets and like kind of be the, the puppet? I don't know. I, I feel like this this is one of those elements too where I'm like, I don't know where they're going with that after the credit scene. It felt like just like a, a little like wink at the audience and I'm like, okay, cool, but like where is this going? This to me is also like we we can't just keep cheating death here, guys. People have to just stay dead. Otherwise Anakin went to the dark side for no reason. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like, if, if you're going to put somebody in the back to tank, it better be those two Gamorrean bros. <laughs> right. They Come were on. number one and two. Well, two and three. But they were there. Day oneers. Right. They they, they, they started this company. <laughs> <laughs> they really did, though. Like, they, they got yeeted off of a cliff. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were dead on impact. But still, I I feel like Fennec was dead on impact, too. And they brought her back. Yeah, Fennec being shot, uh, Cobb Vanth being shot. I feel like we can mend some bones. I think that back to tank is more like powerful than Ray's healing ability from uh, the Rise <laughs> of Skywalker. It's saving more lives, uh, and I- I'm just surprised that it was Cobb Vanth in there. I thought it was just going to be Chrysanthemum when he was like the the tanks being used by somebody else. Nah, Chrysanthemum don't need no back to tank. True. He's All you need was a melon. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I kind of feel I, like I, that I, wraps up the uh, the plot. The plot. Do you have like any predictions for if there is a season two or or where do we go from here? Maybe into Mandalorian. I don't feel like there's a season two coming. I feel like we probably would have seen it. Um, and I feel like th- there's been a lot of um, one thing I do want to call out because <laughs> I've been referring to the negativity in fandom for a couple weeks now, but um it's gotten a little ridiculous <laughs> robert rodriguez was trending on on twitter this morning uh and there was a lot of fans basically being like oh he should never touch the star wars franchise again and i'm like okay uh that's putting it like really really harshly a didn't he have some good mandalorian episodes he did and i think the reason why they're going after him is because he was a showrunner for the show but he's not the writer and I feel like the, on this, like, if you're going to blame um, Robert Rodriguez because you're unsatisfied with the show, part of the blame, or, like, I think a good amount of it should go to John Favreau because he wrote all of these scripts. Um, it, I don't know. Like, look, I feel like Star Wars fandom is a little much sometimes because they, they'll, like, not sa- they're not satisfied with anything. It's, like, worse than any of the other fandoms I've ever seen. I think, um, I don't know if it is Star Wars fandom. I think it's, like, the new age fans that are like 
this is not my Star Wars, like, that never actually had a Star Wars. Like, they're just, like, hopping on and being, like, objectively, this episode was not my favorite out of, <laughs> like, like out of this series. So, yeah. therefore, anybody whose name is in the credits is, is dead to me. Well, I, I've I've seen it, and I say this because I've seen it actually mostly from the older fans, because like some of the a lot of the younger folks are a little bit more um, touche. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, because like I, so I don't know if you like because I was um, I was really really into Star Wars obviously growing up, right? So like I would you were me too, I me was, too. You know, surprised, <laughs> surprise. Um, no, but I I would like. I would hop on like message boards and stuff, and so I I would I know the fandom I guess from that side of things from like the idea sharing I guess aspect. Um, and I remember when when I you know when we were growing up, a lot of the original trilogy fans were like, "Oh, the prequels suck. They're like the worst movies ever. They ruined Star Wars. Heck, they made a they made a couple documentaries about how George Lucas ruined people's childhoods. And I'm like, all right, that's like an over-exaggeration on things. But fast forward to today, and a lot of the kids who grew up on the prequels, like, there's a lot of prequel love now. Like, you see it in Mandalorian, you see it anywhere else. Like, I feel like there was a lot of appreciation for those movies. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen with the sequels. Where, like, in a couple, in 10 or 15 years, when the kids that grew up on the sequels are older there's going to be a lot more of like reverence for those movies. And I feel like it's just a lot of times fans, what what they'll do is they'll have this set expectation in their mind. And when it's not delivered, they'll automatically label it as a bad thing. And I don't think that that's the way we should be thinking about stuff, you know, like, yeah, that's a great point. These are like generational trilogies that have very different styles, very different um, uh, styles of like, film and styles of like plot writing and developing storylines like that so because they're so different they're going to be polarizing where it's like i loved my first trilogy over this prequel well i like the prequel over the sequel well i like the sequel of everything because it's got like the best graphics and all that like whatever the reasoning is yeah you're right it's going to be totally different because it's going to constantly evolve and change itself it's spe- like each movie, each trilogy uh, speaks to the audience that it's trying to cater to. And and it's the kids of that generation. Because right. like I've seen people be like, oh, raise a Mary Sue. Right. And I feel like the argument falls apart when you start to compare it to the original trilogy and Luke. Because the dialogue might be, you know, a little bit different. But when you really look at it fundamentally, Luke and Ray go through very similar um cues is just that i think because there's more of a focus on ray in these movies versus luke there's that it strikes that division and i feel like that's an example of what flares fans up a bit well some um, of that dialogue is just lazy somehow he's returned <laughs> oh no that, <laughs> that for, i said that, somehow <laughs> that for sure but like i feel like so for example luke in the original trilogy never flew he just talked about flying but yet he's able to pilot an X-Wing and blow up the Death Star, right? But there's nobody bats an eye to that. But then people were all up in arms about how Ray knew all this stuff about the Millennium Falcon, even though there's bits of dialogue establishing yeah, well, that Luke, she grew up there. Womp rats, no bigger than that, so... Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, you're thing. absolutely right. It is like, uh, are you forgetting, or are you just not able to make that comparison? 
Right, and like Ray is not a Mary Sue when you really come down when it, when we really want to get down to like the nitty gritty of it. But like it, it, anyway, I'm getting a little bit far from the Boba yeah, great Fett prediction game. on Boba Fett season two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just wanted to talk about it because I feel like uh, there's there's so much negativity, and I feel like it's it's so ridiculous to me that you know we're we're getting Star Wars content, so like so a lot of it, and not all of it's gonna land for everybody, right? Right, but I like I didn't like the Vespa characters in this in this show. I'm sure that there's a couple kids out there that look at it and identify with some of these characters and fantastic, great for them. Oh yeah, they're gonna imagine that their bicycles are like are these these uh, these motorbikes that the teens are riding. Like they're they're gonna connect with that. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, for me this is a series that doesn't need a season two. I think it ended fine. I think you can use Boba Fett here and there in the Mandalorian season three, but you know, knowing Disney and knowing that they're cash grab and content grab, I think there's probably going to be a season two. I kind of, if they do a season two, I hope that it's a little bit more focused um, and on, on Boba <laughs> and maybe we go off world a little bit because I feel like a whole season of Tatooine has made me miss going to different planets every week. Yeah, that's a lot of sand. I, I get where Anakin was coming from. I'm starting to get him, yeah. <laughs> but I would love Anakin. to see, like, historical Boba Fett. Like, the flashbacks in the back to tank earlier, I actually really enjoyed those. That was really cool, yeah. You know what Slower I, episodes they may be, but, like, I don't know. Something about filling in gaps of, like, history of characters I actually really enjoy. I would love to have seen Boba like pre-destruction of the Empire. Like, what was he doing for the Empire during that time? Like, maybe go through a whole redemption thing with him in season two, if there is a season two here. That would be cool too. Yeah. But I do feel like we're gonna see him again, but it will probably be like Mandalorian B story or that kind of thing. Right. All right, why don't we uh why don't we put Boba to bed there? Unless Can I you have Boba? any last thoughts? No. I only have a giant theory. <laughs> but I feel like that's better saved for Mando season three, because there's a lot of like moving pieces on this that I think um you know it's 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 Dave Filoni really writing um driving the ship, I feel like, especially after seeing this season of of Boba Fett. I feel like um every time Dave Filoni kind of puts his head into things um you can kind of see the elements of uh of his past work so he's, he's really connecting a lot of these pieces together and i really like it i'm i'm looking forward to what the, what other shows are coming down the pipeline yeah it definitely strengthens the canon of the animated series and and makes it worth it for the people who watched it and encourages other people to get into that if they haven't I do hope people watch Clone Wars now more than they did before, because like I feel like it's if you haven't, you're missing out. Honestly, I feel like I liked Rebels more than Clone Wars, but that's kind of like a one A and one B type of thing. It's more focused, I think, and that's why I feel like you probably have more enjoyment because it like Clone Wars felt a lot more serialized than than uh, than Rebels did. Yeah, and I guess it was also just like the novelness of like I, I we don't know who this character is and. What's their journey, and then how do they fit into the big puzzle? Um, That's Clone true. Wars was it's all Anakin, right? You knew the end result, regardless of where you're going to go or how attached you get to characters. You kind of know where the story is going, except for Ahsoka, right. obviously. But 
everyone else you kind of have their threads already plotted right but again another tangent there so we'll save that for another day uh as always if you feel like we missed something feel free to reach out to us on twitter at bt fourth wall otherwise thanks, thanks for listening, for listening.